Um, it's really hard for me to actually think of something I didn't like about 1998 in Christian music. I mean, uh, it, there was just this great mix, you know? There was so much variety on the radio. Uh, I had two Bible bookstores that were very close to me, and I used to just, you know, drive over there and spend hours and hours just going through the records on the shelves. It would seem the years leading up to 98 were a high watermark within CCM, where a diverse assortment of artists were at least given a chance to have their music heard within the record label system. Yeah, 1998 was a great year to be discovering and exploring a really surprisingly varied Christian music landscape. One of the one of the great things about 1998 is that you could turn on the radio and actually hear well-crafted Christian music and a variety of, of well-crafted Christian music. It was it was quite a time. Hi, I'm Steve Taylor and this is your home for gourmet music. Was 1998 the best year in Christian music history? <laughs> it's a pretty big question, and I'm sure one that cannot be answered cleanly, but that is our discussion today on a special edition of the Gourmet Music Podcast, a production of UTR Media. Hi, I'm Dave Trout, and I am not alone today. I am joined by an esteemed roundtable of contributors who are going to help dig into what was happening in Christian music 20 years ago in 1998. And I'm going to be using just their first names from here on out, but I want to give you a formal introduction now. Uh, we'll be hearing from Chris Marchand, who is a worship leader, blogger, and podcast host out of Peoria, Illinois. Larry Steffen, who is a longtime music connoisseur and a part of the UTR Board of Directors out of Oakland, New Jersey. Joe Cook is a podcaster and also a missionary out of Gallup, New Mexico. And Zach Tibstra is a worship leader and music fan from Blue Island, Illinois. Let's start the show with an invasion. Yes, they later became the most popular British worship band of all time. And it was in the year 1998 that they made their U.S. invasion. And we first were introduced to the band Delirious. Here's Chris. I distinctly remember the pang of jealousy I felt when I saw this girl at my school holding the album of this new British band called Delirious. I had heard a song or two uh, from them on the radio station, and I knew the invasion was coming, but I thought I had missed being on the cutting edge, haha, <laughs> pun intended, when I saw her with the brand new album. Uh, I got the album as soon as I could, and Delirious quickly became basically my favorite band for the next decade, and I went and saw them numerous times, and uh, it was always just amazing to hear them put on an epic performance. This song was the very first single in the U.S. by this new British band, and they quickly took over because it went to number one for four straight weeks in 1998. This is Deeper by Delirious. I wanna go deeper, but I don't know how to swim. I wanna be maker, but have you seen this old earth? I wanna fly higher. But these arms won't take me there I wanna be I wanna be 
so good it still stands up today when you listen to it that's what i love about that year in christian music is if you go before that a lot of the stuff you would hear just it it, it kind of was has more of a dated sound and the stuff that started to be developed in 98 specifically really to me um tends to have a longer lasting quality to it so uh, let me just be upfront and tell you i'm not gonna hide uh my thesis Um, I'm going to propose to you that, yes, I believe 1998 was the best year in Christian music radio history. Now, um, I have some subjective and objective reasons for that. And I have held on to this belief, actually, for many years, which I will prove to you in just a bit. But first, I want to get into a little bit of the discussion. So let's dive into the roundtable of contributors and find out what they were thinking about that year in Christian music. 
1998 was a pretty important year for me personally, uh, as far as Christian music is concerned, because uh, that's the year that I really started listening to CCM. It's it's the year that I became a fan, and uh, you know prior to that I, I didn't really have uh, an evangelical upbringing. Uh, I wasn't listening to Christian music in the home as a child. I I wasn't really a part of that subculture. Um, but I became a Christian in the mid nineties. Um, and I was a teenager at the time and I kind of was a little bit of a snob about music. So for the first couple of years, I, I really had no interest in contemporary Christian music and I kind of looked down on it. You know, it just seemed like this thing to me that a lot of Christians felt like they had to listen to because you had to replace everything with something about Jesus. And so I just, I wasn't interested but I say that by 98, I really did start to take notice uh, of Christian music because I was hearing a lot of the music that my friends were listening to, and I really liked some of what I was hearing. And so, yeah, that's around the time that I became a fan. And I got to tell you, it was a really good year to become a fan. Yeah, if you were listening to Christian radio in 1998 and before 1998, you would hear quite a wide variety of artists. Imagine turning on Christian radio and hearing artists like um, Burlap the Cashmere, Nicole Nordman, Sixpence, None the Richer, even Chris Taylor. That's the way it was then, 1998. And it seems after 1998, Christian radio pivoted away from that and started playing only what they considered to be the popular artists. Prior to that, it was kind of like to say Christian music kind of was enough to give me an idea of what I'm probably hearing, but it was really that year of 98 that to say Christian music wouldn't be enough to give you an idea of what that could be, what kind of music you'd be hearing. That year it exploded, and all of a sudden there's all these genres represented, and it wasn't just like one flavor. There was so many different flavors. It was a great year to be into Christian music. Now, this is a good place to point out that not all radio formats are created equally. In fact, not all Christian music was great in 1998. Uh, If you were listening to a more mellow Christian radio station, either inspo or inspirational format or AC or adult contemporary format, they were holding on to a sound and a format that was actually soon dying off. And they were kind of stuck in their old ways. It was the era of the big voice still, the big booming front vocals. And uh, if, if you listen to Christian radio in 1998 uh, in one of those mellower formats, it would have sounded a lot like this. Yeah. 
And now, thanks to that montage, Carmen has made an appearance on the Gourmet Music Podcast. Really? Uh, history in the making right here today. Oh, so, as you can tell just by listening to that little clip, that that music sounds dated and old and a bit stodgy, and it didn't stand the test of time, unfortunately. Nothing wrong with the music necessarily, um, but it just there was nothing really forward-moving or cutting-edge about it whatsoever. And a song that's somewhat of an example of that is uh, what was the number one song of the whole year. And I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I want you to, to take a listen, because if you were listening to Christian music in any format, you could not escape this song. From the mountains to the valleys, from the rivers to the sea. Every hand that reaches out, every hand that reaches out to offer peace, every simple light of mercy, every step to kingdom come, all the hope in every heart will. Remember them? Yes, they're Avalon, and that was the song Testify to Love. That song would win a Dove Award, and the Encyclopedia of Contemporary Christian Music says Testify to Love would prove to be the longest-running hit single of the entire decade of the 90s on Christian adult contemporary charts. Amazing. A mega hit. Now, I will confess, it's catchy. It's super catchy. I, I don't entirely hate that song, but... Let's face it, it was the end of an era. You know, there, the day when four attractive people would stand on the front of a stage and all they would do is sing and belt out big vocals and lots of tight harmonies. Those days were coming to a close. There's a reason why you didn't hear a lot of hits from Avalon five, six, seven years later. That era ended. But there's this entirely other kind of Christian radio format at the same time. And and there was a wide chasm between Inspo and Adult Contemporary and CHR, or Contemporary Hit Radio. How do I know? I worked in 1998 at a CHR station outside of Chicago in Morris, Illinois, WCFL. 
Now, it didn't even really matter if you did not have a CHR station in your area. You still were finding out about the music, this cutting-edge music that was coming out, the latest releases. These were the artists that were gracing the cover of CCM magazine. These were the artists that were started winning the most Dove Awards. These were the artists people were buzzing about, that bookstores were selling, and that everybody wanted to see in concert. CHR Radio, if you turned it on, sounded a lot more like this. It was the early years of my career, and 1998 was a great year to be working in Christian hit radio. Now, some of the clips you just heard were releases from 1998. Some were from 97, but were still being played on heavy rotation in 98. Oh, that year. I mean, the class of 98, just in debuting artists, is, is astounding. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that coming up later this episode. Um, some of the releases that came out were groundbreaking, revolutionary, um, just really changed the landscape. And we'll, we'll dive in for sure. Uh, one of those um, came from a very young singer-songwriter. She released her sophomore album in 1998. And here's the title cut from that project. It's Sarah Mason with Carry Us Through. Carry us through. Carry us through. 
baseball fan. 1998 was also a big epic year. You, you might remember it. Yeah, Sosa versus McGuire for the home run championship. Um, and I went to tons of Cubs games that year. Ah, oh, just great memories. My, the two big memories of the summer of 98 was baseball and the great music that was being released, including this song. It was it, it sort of became my anthem for the summer of 98 partly because it was called Super Good Feeling. And so I would just crank that one up all the time. And that's by Bleach. And it rose all the way to the top and went to number one on the charts in Christian music back in 98. Today in Christian music, there's sort of like a homogenous sound that you hear year after year. And and the one of the problems that that causes is the artists, as they release new albums, they're hard to even distinguish between them. They kind of sound mostly the same album over album. Well, back in 1998, that wasn't the case. As artists released new albums, they were trying to break new ground and sound different and do unique things. Such is the case with our next artist, who I'm going to let Chris introduce. In the 90s, there was always the DC Talk versus Newsboys debate typically with DC Talk coming out on top as both the better band and the more famous band. But to be honest, I rarely listen to DC Talk these days in 2018. Whereas, I continue to listen to the Newsboys quite regularly, especially the album Step Up to the Microphone, uh, with its undeniable classic, Entertaining Angels. Remember me 
well past midnight And I'm awake with questions that won't wait for daylight Separating fact from my imaginary fiction On this shelf of my conviction I need to find a place where you and I come face to face Time is needed Proof that you had really risen Undefeated When he placed his fingers Where the nails once broke your skin Did his faith finally begin? I'm lied if I've denied The common ground I've shared with him
such an important voice and songwriter in the in the last 20 years of Christian music. That is Nicole Nordeman with her debut single on Christian radio, To Know You. Uh, I remember playing that back in 98. So good. Here's what Larry said. Nicole Nordman's album Wide-Eyed was released in September of 1998. And it was just so honest and vulnerable and a breath of fresh air, a great album. And there were so many um, amazing fresh new voices that debuted in 1998, which is one of the reasons why I think it was such an important year. Uh, some of those artists include, uh, besides Nicole Nordeman, folks like Jennifer Knapp, The Normals, uh, Satellite Soul, Watermark, and of all the debuting artists, our panel of music connoisseurs wanted to talk most about one specific band hailing from New York. Burlap to Cashmere was one of those bands that really helped hook me into Christian music back in 98. Uh, I remember specifically it was the song Eileen's song. Uh, it was the first song I ever heard from them. And it could have worked just as easily on, on secular radio. Uh, Eileen's song is a great song. That, that whole first album they made was amazing. The craziest moment of the year came for me at Cornerstone Music Festival, where I had trekked my way to hear about this new buzz band called Burlap to Cashmere. Halfway through the concert, I looked around and noticed both Audio Adrenaline and Delirious were looking on, amazed as everyone else was at this band who had just burst onto the scene. It was still one of the most electric concerts I have ever been to, and we were all blown away by Burlap. It was amazing. I used to listen to some late night feature show that would play a whole bunch of up and coming new things. And I used to listen to it and write down the names of all the songs of the artist. I remember hearing Burlap to Cashmere doing basic instructions for the first time. I immediately stopped the audio cassette recording that I was making of the show, rewound it and just listened to the song repeatedly and didn't even hear what the rest of the episode was. And that was immediately the next album that I ordered. And I remember when it came just front to back, completely blown away, but I had never heard music like this before. It was amazing. Basic instructions before leaving
of Revelation, uh -huh. chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. Yes, sir. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst anymore. Preach, preacher. For God shall wipe away. Yes, sir. Every tear from their eyes. Yes, sir. Get ready for the revolution. What you say?
1998, a big year for Kirk Franklin. Yeah, uh, of course, you remember with him with God's Property uh, with the hit Stomp in 1997. That was still in heavy rotation. Uh, but then he came out with The New Nation Project, which that song you just heard was off of, Revolution. That song went up to number two on the charts. Also, uh, that album went double platinum and won a Grammy Award. Yeah. I hope it's been a fun uh, walk down memory lane so far as we uh, look back 20 years to what I say is the best year of Christian music history, 1998. Now, a lot of folks will talk about what eras are the best or wide ranges. I'm getting specific here, a specific year. Not many people will take that leap. So you may agree or disagree with me. That's okay. It's a good discussion starter, and you can actually check out a little bit more thoughts on this topic. I wrote a blog post on our website of uh, 17 reasons why I think 1998 is the best year of CCM. So you can check it out at utrmedia.org. And I have been planning on talking about this for probably about six years, either on a blog or podcast, and it just never happened. Uh, in fact, it took a while to dig this up. I had to do a lot of research, but I found um, at the tail end of an hour and a half interview I, I did with Cindy Morgan, um, the tapes kept rolling. We were just having a conversation, and and this is from March of 2013, five and a half years ago. Uh, check out exactly what we were talking about. Like I was exposed to a much a, a wider variety through radio than I would be now. Um, you, they were you were more apt to find new artists um, come on the scene, and um, they didn't have to have a certain sound necessarily. That you know, music was better then. It yeah. was music, Christian music was better then. I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think so. I even had a I even had a guy asked me recently what was the best year in Christian music and I was like man I've never thought even mm-hmm. thought about that question before mm-hmm. I'm like I have an answer for you 1998 hmm. to me that was the best year in Christian yeah. music I, I said I the pendulum was swinging uh, to accept a wider artistic palette in the scope of what was commercially viable and successful mm-hmm. so you had um it was kind of a breakout year for the band The Waiting, mm-hmm. um, Burlap to Cashmere, mm-hmm. like Satellite Soul, mm-hmm. um, you know, really sort of eclectic mm-hmm. styles. Um, Jennifer Knapp, it was kind of mm-hmm. like her breakout year. So you had this sort of like it was a good year, yeah. stuff, like really hitting, like really sort of just coming to the surface. And then even some of the more... Um, the longer, um, more established artists, um, I think some of them took bigger risks and stuff, but yeah, there, there's a lot of reasons why I think 98 was the best year. (laughs) I'm so glad I found that little interview clip. I couldn't even remember which artist I had that conversation with. It took me a while to dig it up, but... Glad I put in the effort because that was fun. Yes, 
That that conversation with Cindy Morgan happened in March of 2013. So <laughs> I've been thinking about this topic, about the showcasing the year 1998 for five, going on six years now, uh, and glad we could celebrate it. And not only do I hope you love the music of 98, we hope you love long podcasts because this is turning out to be a barn burner, a doozy, uh, a slobber knocker. Yes, um, we are 53 minutes into the show and no signs of stopping. We're taking just our midway break now. We um, we have a whole second half planned uh, with more great music from 1998. In fact, uh, we'll be hearing some really big uh, releases uh, from... A couple of new artists that debuted that year. Also, uh, we'll hear from DC Talk. A little bit of ska music, because that was really prevalent back in 98. Um, And uh, we'll hear more conversation and contributions from our panel of music connoisseurs, including what many of them think is the most significant and important album of the whole year. And when we come back, we have uh, a song that went to number one on a couple of different charts that year by Jars of Clay right after this. Or, or as we'd say back in 98, don't touch that dial. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense anymore. We love our listeners so much, we'll give you the shirts off our backs. Or, here's an option that's a bit less sweaty. Enter UTR's contest to win a pair of super soft, high-quality t-shirts, including our Vintage Olive Escape to the Lake tee and our Cardinal Red Retro Cassette tee. It only takes about 20 seconds to enter, and it ends on October 18th, so hurry. Enter the drawing at utrmedia.org. Spotify users, who are you going to trust for your music playlist? Mr. Algorithm or one of the most trusted names in music curation for the last 10 years? UTR Media. We are proud to announce the launch of the new Spotify playlist. This robust list of songs has been hand curated by UTR, including fan favorites and new discoveries, and will be updated on a regular basis. Start streaming the most meaningful music being made today. Just open your Spotify app and search for UTR Media. Christian Music was always trying to put out these large group albums, and in 1998, Michael W. Smith went epic with that concept, uh, with the Exodus Project, which was this worship event album. To me, like that was an album I listened to continuously in 1998, and it seemed like nearly all the songs on that album were on the radio at some point, and they were hits. For those under the clouds... Staring up in awesome wonder As tears come slowly down I'm reaching up a needful hand And you are my eyes when I cannot see You are my voices sing through me You are my strength 
of clay and needful hands it's from the special event album exodus which released in 1998 on this very special edition of the gourmet music podcast hi i'm dave trout pleasure to be with you as we discuss the question was 1998 the best year in christian music history i argue yes uh but you be the judge uh we are having a fun time just going back 20 years and taking a look at what the Christian music and radio landscape was back then in 1998. Uh, and I'm not alone. We have a wonderful panel of contributors with us today, uh, including Joe from New Mexico, Chris from Illinois, Larry from New Jersey, and Zach from Illinois. Uh, and many of them agree that there is one album in particular that was released in 98. Also, a special event album that stands out as possibly the best album of the year, but definitely one of the most significant, even historic, releases from 98. In many ways, my entire year centered around the release of the Rich Mullins and a Ragamuffin Band's Jesus Record. But would it be any good? And would it work to have other people singing Mullins' songs? After it came out, I would say the album left me feeling both elated and conflicted, 
It was both a triumph and a letdown all at once. It was still so sad not having Mullins with us. Every single song on those two discs was amazing. And the Jesus demos gave us this raw, intimate look into Mullins. The Jesus record, which was released in July 1998, was and is a significant and moving album, two-disc album. The first disc contained demos that Rich Mullins recorded in an abandoned church just nine days before he passed away. The second disc was recorded by the Ragamuffin Band and various vocalists um, of songs that Rich Mullins wrote. It's a great album. Okay, if there is one record from 1998 that stands out to me above all others, it's got to be the Jesus record, Rich Mullins and a Ragamuffin Band. Um, And it is no exaggeration to say that that album changed my life. Um, You know, I I did not know who Rich Mullins was during his lifetime. Again, I just wasn't listening to Christian music during that time. But in 98, the Jesus record comes out. And uh, man, that was my introduction to Rich. And this is a guy who would just have such a profound impact on my own life. And, um, you know, so that album is so important to me. But I am one of the few, and I know that I'm in the minority on this, um, because I've had arguments with lots of people over the years about this. I am one of the few who prefers the actual album over the demos uh, that Rich recorded. I know a lot of people just say, they well, they don't listen to the record, they only listen to the demos, because you know that's Rich. Not me. I, I fell in love with that record. I thought that the the rags, you know, uh, Rick Elias and Jimmy A. Bag, Aaron Smith, Mark Robertson, I thought they put their heart and souls into that. I, I loved, uh, you know, Ashley Cleveland and Smitty and Amy Grant on that album. I, I just thought it was just so much love and respect that made that record pop. And I just, you know, it holds a really special place in my heart. And uh, yeah, for me, hands down, album of the year. Joseph took his wife and her child And they went to Africa To escape the rage of a deadly Listen to the song that the captive children used to sing. They were singing. Sahara 
amazing song, My Deliverer. The Ragamuffins there uh, with a song that went to number one in 1998. In fact, uh, we heard played a clip from Testify to Love, uh, which was the number one song of the whole year. And uh, My Deliverer was ranked as the number four song of the whole year. And uh, the following year, in 1999, won the Dove Award for Song of the Year. You know, and while we're talking about uh, milestones, significant, historic albums, uh, there is one song that one of our panelists wants to make sure is in the mix. Okay. Best song of 1998 and possibly all of musical history. W's The Devil Is Bad. We went absolutely nuts over that song. I still absolutely love it. If you put it on right now, I'm going to jump around and start skanking in the living room. (laughs) Okay, Zach, I'm going to play that song. I want to see you get your skank on, all right? This song is an interesting slice of 1998. Ska was all the rage. This song was, for the most part, a one-hit wonder from the W's. But, boy, was it a big hit. This went up to number six on the CHR charts, number one on the rock charts, and won the Dove Award for the best modern rock song. This is The Devil Is Bad by The W's. She was walking in the garden one day when a snake slipped around her feet. Follow me right over to this tree and I'll give you something good to eat. Why no? Are you sure? I don't think it is right. It doesn't matter, just open your mouth and take a tasty bite. Said to him, I think it's in my boy, does it look right? Said to her, just take my word and I promise that see the lie. Why don't you get it in? Cause I don't wanna see your face around here no more. Why don't you get it in? Cause this is now and now before. Cause you all the devil and the devil is bad. You all the devil and the devil is bad. You all the devil and the devil is bad. You all the devil and you are bad. Tempt to met him in the desert one day. Are you a son of God? Some bread and make your hunger stop. Even though his hunger had grown real strong, he turned and simply replied, Man does not live bread alone, but on the word of God. I turn men and worship me, and the kings of the world are yours. Away from me, wicked, evil ways, cause I worship and serve the God. Why don't you get it inside? I don't wanna see your face around here no more. Why don't you get it in? Cause this you all the devil and the devil is bad hey! You all the devil and the devil is bad hey! You all the devil and the devil is bad hey! You all the devil and you are bad Walking in the garden one day when a snake slipped around her feet. Follow me right over to this tree and I'll give you something good to eat. 
Are you sure? I don't think it is right It doesn't matter, just open your mouth and take a tasty bite Said to him, I think it's sin, but boy, does he look right Said to her, just take my word and I promise that sees the lie Why don't you skiddly do? Cause I don't wanna see your face around here no more Why don't you skiddly do? Cause this is now and that was before Cause you are the devil and the devil is bad You are the devil and the devil is bad You are the devil and the devil is bad You are the devil and you are bad Yeah, I remember one big one for me was uh, the band Silage, which at the time blew my mind because it was incredibly unlike anything. They just had such a unique flair and voice and some of the stuff that they were doing was just really unexpected and cool.
hope you're getting a feel for how unique and different and varied the texture and sounds were back on the radio in 1998. That song, Billboards by Silage, went up to number six on the Christian music charts. Uh, Well, next up is one of those amazing debuting artists that was a new voice to us in 1998. Uh, Here is Joe's recollection. Kansas by Jennifer Knapp was a huge record for me. Uh, I remember the first time that I heard her song, uh, Faithful to Me. I was at this record store in Glassboro, New Jersey, and they were just like blasting it throughout the store. And I just heard this voice, you know, like this powerful voice singing this song a cappella. And I was just like, what is this? You know, I, I, I have to get this record. And I, uh, I remember it was only like a few weeks after that, that there was a harvest crusade. And I went to that event and she was one of the artists who was performing that night. And, uh, I'll never forget afterward, a buddy of mine and I, we decided we were going to sneak down to the floor section at the Philadelphia spectrum so that we could try and meet Jennifer Knapp. And, uh, I, I, still have to this day the CD that she signed for me right before we got thrown out.
of us knows And this makes it a mystery If life is a comedy Then why all the tragedy? Three and a half pounds of brain Try to figure out What this world is all about And is there an eternity? Is there an eternity? God, if you're there, I wish you'd show me And God, if you care, then I need you to know me I hope you don't mind me asking the questions But I figure you're big enough I figure you're big enough Lying on pillows, we're haunted and half awake Does anyone hear us pray? If I die before I wake Then the morning comes and the mirror's another place Where we wrestle face to face with the image of deity The image of deity God, if you're there, I wish you'd show me And God, if you care, then I need you to know me I hope you don't mind me asking the questions But I figure you're big enough I figure you're big enough When I imagine the size of the universe And I wonder what's out past the edges And I discover inside me space is big And believe that I'm meant to be filled up with more than just questions God, if you're there, I wish you'd show me And God, if you care, then I need you to know me I hope you don't mind me asking the questions But I figure you're big enough I figure you're big enough Cause I am not big enough You know, some good things were happening in adult contemporary Christian music back in 1998, one of those being the rise of Chris Rice, who debuted in 97, and uh, then his uh, sophomore album came in 98, and it was so well-received, he was given a Dove Award for Male Vocalist of the Year in 99. Pretty amazing. Uh, Here's what Joe had to share about the song you just heard. Another guy whose music really touched me that year was Chris Rice. And I remember it was uh, his album, Past the Edges, came out. And I uh, used to listen to this local radio station out of Philly, WZZD. And I would drive to school, and like every morning they would play the song Big Enough uh, by Chris Rice. And I remember like the very first time I heard that song, you know, it was just like one of those moments where I, I mean, I nearly needed to pull the car over because it was just, oh man, it was just so powerful. And those lyrics, you know, uh, lying on pillows, were haunted and half awake. Does anyone hear us pray if I die before I wake? And that chorus, God, if you're there, I wish you'd show me. God, if you care, then I need you to know me. And it was just like, wow. I mean, this guy is saying 
everything that I'm feeling inside, but that I'm just too afraid to say out loud. He's singing it. Oh man, I, I love that record. Uh, to this day, I, I just I, I love that record. Now it seems like there's one artist who we'd hear a lot on Christian radio back in 1998 that we haven't played yet. But who is it? What's the name of that band? Um, hmm. DC Talk Supernatural continued the streak of them kind of reinventing themselves and continuing to be, you know, maintain their status as as just upper echelon amazing Christian bands, but still pushing things forward and giving new sounds and experiences. What can I say? DC Talk Supernatural. I mean, that is a killer record. Um, you know, I think unfortunately it kind of tends to get overshadowed by Jesus Freak, just because that was such a huge album for them. But uh, artistically, I really think that as a group, DC Talk peaked with Supernatural. It's just, it's a great record. I think it's aged really well. I mean, I think that they could have released that album today and it could have been just as relevant. Great stuff. Well, little did we know that DC Talk's fifth studio album, Supernatural, would be their last. And it did go platinum, and this first radio single, Into Jesus, went to number one on the charts for two weeks in 1998.
Just one of the eclectic voices that debuted in 1998. Ah, I love these guys. Satellite Soul, the song Say I Am, which got up to number five on the Christian music charts back in that year. Now, the reason why I think that 1998 was the, the best year in Christian music history was because in the years prior to 98, you saw this growing this growth and this almost crescendo moment that I think peaked in 98 where we had the widest voices the widest themes the widest sounds uh, a bunch of new artists being developed that had a unique presence in the landscape uh, and then if you start to track what happened in the years after 98 you see 
a bit of a decline, like the industry starting to shrink, the sounds starting to become a little more homogenous, the the new artists were a little bit more predictable and um, less risk-taking was happening inside the industry. So right alongside this celebration of 98, there's also this lament because the things that made that year so unique and pivotal and groundbreaking, those ingredients don't even really exist anymore in the industry. Um, It's just, it would be too risky and maybe not commercially successful enough. So there's, there's some... I don't know, sadness or disappointment involved with that. So I, I asked our panel of contributors about that and just to share their thoughts about what what is the thing that's almost heartbreaking about this celebration of 98. What was super exciting about that year is there were so many new voices that came onto the scene and brought us in so many new directions and made great music. And... In the years that followed, it seems, for whatever reasons, like the the labels and and distributors just kind of said, let's just let's just stick with these new prize ponies and let's just ride them as far as we can, and they stopped taking the risk of bringing fresh, new young horses in the race, so to speak, and and the same risks that brought us all those great artists stopped being taken, and it just kind of leveled off and became more of the same. And many of those artists went on to still produce great work, but we just stopped getting some of those new voices to reinvigorate and bring new perspectives and new ways of approaching that music in the years to come. The strange thing about 1998 are that the best parts might just be the worst parts. Uh, For instance, uh, there's a good chance Delirious changed worship music for an entire generation and forced uh, the Christian industry to only put out worship-oriented albums and for those albums to have a particularly uh, U2-tinged sound. And I like U2, but I don't know if I like how worship music soon had to conform to a certain uh, limited parameter of what it should sound like. All of which is to say, were Delirious Trailblazers or did they ruin worship music and Christian music altogether? I think my answer would be pretty conflicted. It's it's definitely both. And as much as I love that band, I have a view of them and history that is conflicted. And that's kind of how I feel about the Christian music as a whole. I feel conflicted. I, I see so much good and so many great artists. And at the same time, I see this bottleneck of creativity where everybody was forced to conform to some preset standard. It's both glorious and a bit disappointing. One of the one of the great things about 1998 is that you could turn on the radio and actually hear well-crafted Christian music and a variety of, of well-crafted Christian music. You can thank the evolution, or maybe I should say de-evolution, of Christian radio for the existence of UTR Media. Yeah, it's kind of true. We we wouldn't have this podcast or or our nonprofit UTR Media if if Christian Radio was doing a better job at at really um, representing a wide variety of music. But uh, here we are uh, celebrating uh, what was twenty years ago, the year nineteen ninety eight, and uh, I, I we do have time for one more song, and I'm so glad that Joe mentioned this because I was going to play this regardless. I think it is uh, one of the best songs of the year and uh, it's a forgotten song as well. So 
I'll pass it on to Joe. You know, one of the songs that if I, if I'm really honest with you, I kind of forgot about, but in looking back and remembering, it was kind of a big record for me that year. And that was Stephen Curtis Chapman. I will not go quietly uh, from that movie, the apostle, the Robert Duvall movie. Um, You know, 98 was such a huge time to be a Stephen Curtis Chapman fan. I mean, he had just put out uh, the signs of life record and then his greatest hits album. And then there was the um, speechless record, which came out only like a year later. And in between, he puts out this single for this movie and it was a great song. And yet it's kind of a forgotten hit now. I think that was kind of, and I think Stephen Curtis Chapman in his prime. I mean, uh, you know, it was like he could do no wrong in the late nineties. I was born with an angel whispering in my ear, telling me sacred secrets that God wanted me to hear. And I have lived to tell the mysteries I've been told, and even when they tell me it's my time to go. Bye. 
love it. Yeah, it is uh, one of those forgotten gems from Stephen Curtis Chapman from the late 90s. And I love how Joe put it. Stephen Curtis at his best. (laughs) Indeed it is. I Will Not Go Quietly, a single that was released that year uh, to support the movie The Apostle. And um, yeah, just good stuff and a nice end cap on this celebration of the year 1998 in Christian music. Now, before we wrap this historic episode up, historic because I don't, I, I will call it, I don't, I don't remember ever producing a podcast episode that was over an hour and 40 minutes. This is a record, the longest show, not only in UTR media, but just under the radar history as well. Over a 10 year span of history, we've never produced a show this long. And to be honest, this episode took a lot of effort compiling uh, interview clips from our uh, our our panelists as well as doing a bunch of research and digging through uh, finding old tracks ah oh, it's but it was a labor of love I'm so glad we did it like I said it's been something on my heart to share for six years uh, just to celebrate that year so let's uh, before we totally close out let's Turn it back to see if there's any closing thoughts from any of our panelists. Christian music in 1998 was pretty awesome. New releases from established bands, check. New voices we hadn't heard before, check. Good music in Christian music in almost any genre you can think of, yeah. Uh, Was it the best year ever? In Christian music, I have a hard time picking another year that had as much variety, as much options, new discoveries, and new things happening all at once. There are so many artists out there making great Christ-honoring music that is really thoughtful and thought-provoking, um, but you're just not hearing it, and uh, and that's I think what frustrates me the most about the years after 98 i think that you know dave is probably right that was the pinnacle that um you know everything just came together and that year the industry was putting out um a combination of quality and quantity uh and we did see a decline in that afterwards i I think that for a few years you know what was great about 98 was still happening even into the early 2000s but there was definitely a decline, and so '98 was a, it was a great year to become a fan, and I'm really thankful that I got to experience that. And I would like to share my thanks for our roundtable of contributors who did such a great job, including the guy you just heard, Joe Cook from Gallup, New Mexico. Zach Tibstra, before that, you heard, from Blue Island, Illinois. Also, Larry Steffen from Oakland, New Jersey, and Chris Marchand from Peoria, Illinois. Uh, Many of these uh, individuals have some interesting projects and are uh, contributors to different blogs or websites or podcasts, and I will be linking to all of those in our show notes, so check it out. Uh, We also want to know... What do you think about the year 98? Maybe uh, this was a first time experience kind of walking through that year because you 
weren't a part of the Christian music world at all at that time, or maybe you're revisiting that year, we would love to know, do you think my theory, my premise is correct that that was the best year in Christian music radio at least? Um, I love uh, the gourmet music that we celebrate nowadays, and it's hard to compete with that, but... As far as what was being heard on a national landscape, I don't think it got better than 1998. So, you can dig into more of my thoughts about that. In fact, I give you 9 plus 8 reasons why 1998 was the best year. Yeah, that's 17 reasons if you are not a math major. And uh, we, uh, you can check that out at our website, which is utrmedia.org. Uh, At that website, you can also uh, check out our latest videos, uh, our sister podcasts, um, our latest listener contests, and more. Again, that website is utrmedia.org. Also, a special thank you to uh, the folks who contribute to this ministry, who give sacrificially, and keep us going. Keep the wind in the sails. Keep the gas in the gas tank. Allow us to keep producing podcasts just like this one for your listening pleasure. Um, if you would like more information about how to become a contributor, you can go to our website. That Again, that's utrmedia.org. And also, we will link directly in our show notes. On behalf of our panel of contributors, I'm Dave Trout. Oh, this has been so much fun. Hope you had fun too. Uh, We'll talk to you next time on the next Gourmet Music Podcast, a production of UTR Media, an independent, listener-supported, nonprofit ministry in Chicago, Illinois. And it's online at utrmedia.org.